And we're going to read from verse 10 to verse 13. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10 through to and including verse 13. If you're able, would you stand to your feet, please? And we'll read the Word of God together, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Revelation 3, beginning at verse 10. Let's begin. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Well, tonight we're going to be looking at uh, the name of God. Um, so let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, you may be seated. Heavenly Father, we uh, want to talk about your name tonight. And Lord, that's a, a thing that is very sacred and something that we need to uh, pay special attention to. Our dear Father, help us all to learn tonight. And as we learn, help us to grow in faith. And as we grow in faith, help us to grow in godliness and closeness with you. And as we grow in godliness and closeness with you, Lord, may we grow in usability to you. And may we bring you honor and glory. So bless our study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. And once again, look at please, uh, uh, look please at verse 12. It says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And watch this, I will write upon him the name of my God. Now here, the Lord Jesus is speaking to uh, one of his uh, churches. It's the uh, church at uh, Philadelphia, and that was a, a marvelous church. It was full of love. And uh, so the Lord Jesus had these special words here. And in verse 12, he says, he talks about the name of my God. It's therefore important that, I, that we understand the name of God. Um, this is going to be our study tonight is uh, Elohim. Now the root behind Elohim is E-L-L. -L, and it may, basically it means power. And it's a word for God. It's usually written in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament, as capital G, little o, little d. Um, it's used over 250 times in the Old Testament, and um, it's mainly used in reference to God Almighty, the, the God we know, but it is used a couple of other times for other things. In Psalm 36.6, it talks about um, the great mountains, and it uses El there to describe, uh, it's, it's um, translated as great. Uh, Psalm 80 and verse 10, El is also used uh, with the cedar trees. So we have goodly cedars, but El is used there. <coughs> However, um, most all of the time, it's in reference to God. 
Now, that's the root. The full word is Elohim, and the idea is this strong one, the one that can put forth great power. It's um, written uh, in the Old Testament as uh, uh, God, capital G-O-D, but it's plural. El is singular, Elohim. The im on the end there is plural. It's used over 2,500 times, 2,570 times, in fact, in the Old Testament. Uh, it's mainly used to speak of God. I want to share with you tonight three important truths uh, that are going to help us to get to know the name of our God. Number one, Elohim reveals God as creator of the universe. Now, we're going to be looking at three different passages of Scripture, so we're going to go back to Genesis and begin there. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, how about you read together with me verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read it together. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And here, the word God is Elohim. Elohim. Now, evolutionists would have us believe that all this world just happened. They call it the Big Bang Theory. We're hearing a bunch of Big Bangs tonight. Um, it's uh, a celebration there of the East Indian New Year. And so they got fireworks going and popping. And uh, man, I, I'd love to hear the trumpet. <laughs> that, would, that would be a noise, wouldn't it? Oh, praise the Lord. But um, evolutionists, they don't believe that God created the world. They say um, that we're wrong and uh, we're silly to believe that. Uh, but uh, that they say science proves that uh, evolution is what uh, caused the world and, and all life as we know it. And uh, there's a very interesting word for that. It's called balderdash. Balderdash is a good English word. Originally, it meant a mixing together of all kinds of crazy liquids, like milk and beer and water and wine and just any kind of liquid all mixed up. That's what balderdash originally was. But then it came to apply to words and sentences. And so... Um, Speaking um, linguistically, when we say balderdash, we're talking about a whole bunch of words thrown together that mean nothing. And that's pretty much what evolution is. It's balderdash. It's terms and, and uh, so-called evidence and things that's just all thrown together. And it is balderdash. And it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in balderdash than to believe that a, an intelligent creator designed this wonderful creation that we see and live in. And so, um, the French, uh, famous French mathematician, Pierre Lecomte de Noy, he died in 1947. He was famous. He examined, listen to this, the laws of probabil probability for a single molecule of high uh, decimetry to be formed by the action of chance. So he really applied his brains and all the tools that he had available uh, to study the laws of probability of just one single molecule to be formed by chance. <clears throat> Lecomptenoy found that on average the time needed to form one 
such molecule of terrestrial uh, importance here would be about 10 to the 253rd power. In other words, it's billions and billions and billions of years. But he continued ironically, let us admit that no matter how small the chance, it could happen. One molecule could be created by such astronomical odds of chance. However, he went on to say, one molecule is of absolute no use. Hundreds of millions of identical ones are necessary. And therefore, we must either admit the miracle, the miracle of creation, or we must doubt the absolute truth of science. Now, there's a man that really told it like it was. He's basically telling us that the, uh, all the rhetoric and all of the arguments of all of the evolutionists are balderdash. Basically, a creation requires there to be a creator. God is the creator, and we are his creation. And Elohim reveals God as creator of the universe. Now, something else very important, Elohim being plural, indicates the Trinity. And the Trinity is a vital theological truth. This is so important because today we've got so-called Christian religions that are denying the Trinity. One of them is a branch of Pentecostalism that calls itself oneness. Pentecostalism, oneness. They believe in just one uh, person uh, of uh, divine nature. They don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They would just believe in God the Father. Well, the cults believe that too. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny the deity of the Holy Spirit. But you cannot deny the Trinity and have salvation. It is absolutely vital. There's a story about a man who had a friend who was an architect. The man wanted to buy a house and he took the architect with him to inspect the house that he wanted to purchase. The man liked one of the rooms in the house very much and he wanted to make it into his study. But there was a wall in the way that he didn't like. And so he said to his architect friend, he says, uh, that wall will have to come out. His architect friend said to him, you cannot take that wall out. And the man replied, sir, he said, if I buy this house, I can take out whatever I want to. It'll be my house. I can do whatever I want. His friend said, it doesn't matter who owns this house. I've seen the plans, the drawings, and if you pull out that wall, the entire house will fall down. And the doctrine of the Trinity is like that. You take away the doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden Christianity doesn't work. Belief in the Trinity is absolutely essential for the Christian. If the Trinity is not true, then there is no salvation. For salvation requires a holy, perfect sacrifice without spot. A job that only God himself could do in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so as creator, every human being will one day stand before the creator. Now that's a sobering thought. And the question is, what if your time was tonight? 
Are you ready for your appointment with God? Three things to know about Elohim. Number one is Elohim reveals God as creator of the universe. Number two, Elohim reveals God as the ruler of the universe. Now for this, we're going to go uh, about the middle of the Bible to the book of Isaiah. And uh, when you get to Isaiah, find chapter 66. Isaiah 66. If you go any further, you're going to shake hands with Jeremiah. So, Isaiah 66. <clears throat> now again, I'll, I'll get you to help me to uh, read verse 1. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Let's read it together, folks. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? You know, this is so very important that God is the ruler of the universe, that we understand that and we know that. God is the ruler. This universe, he created it. This universe, he rules in it. God is in control. He raises up kings. He dethrones others. He raises up politicians and he eliminates others. He controls with split-second timing the events that happen in our lives. There's a humorous story to help illustrate this. It's about a woman who was at work one day when she received a phone call from her babysitter that her young daughter was very sick all of a sudden with a high fever. She left her work and she stopped by the pharmacy to get some medication for her daughter. Returning to her car in the parking lot, she found that she'd locked her keys in the car. And she was in a hurry to get home to her sick daughter. She didn't know what to do. So she uh, went back in and called her home and told the babysitter what had happened and that she didn't know what to do. The babysitter told her that her daughter was getting worse. And, and she said, you might find a, a coat hanger and use that to open the door. And so the woman looked around and found an old rusty coat hanger that had been thrown down on the ground, possibly by someone else who had locked themselves out of their their car and she looked at the coat hanger and she said I don't even know how to use this thing and so she bowed her head and asked God to send her someone to help and then she went back to struggling with this coat hanger trying to get it through and unlock the car well within about five minutes an old rusty car pulled up with a dirty greasy bearded man who was wearing an old biker skull rag on his head and the woman thought Lord, this is what you sent to help me? But she was desperate, and so she was also very thankful. The man got out of the car and asked her if he could help. And she said, yes, my daughter is very sick. I stopped to get her some medication, and I locked my keys in the car. I must get home. Please, can you use this hanger to unlock my car? And he said, sure. And he walked over to the car and in less than one minute, he had the car open. And she hugged the man and through her tears, she says, thank you so much, you're a very nice man. And the man replied, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft. And I've only been out for a couple of hours. 
And the woman hugged the man again and she sobbed with tears and she cried out in prayer, oh, thank you, God, you even sent me a professional. <laughs> and what I'm saying is that God is in control of the events of the universe. With split-second timing, he knows what he's doing. You can trust God with your life because he's in control. No one is born into this world and no one dies and goes out without God's authorization. He controls all of the details and circumstances for his children. Romans 8.28 underscores that. All things work together for good. Remember that the next time something seems to go wrong and you lock your, yourself out of your car. Three things we want to suggest about Elohim. Number one is that it reveals God as creator. Number two, it reveals God as ruler. Number three, it reveals God as being all-powerful inside and outside of his universe. And for this, we'll take a step backwards into Psalms and go to Psalm 50, Psalm 50. Psalm 50. I'm going to uh, ask you to read the first four verses with me. How about that? Psalm 50, the first four verses. Let's read it now together. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Elohim reveals that God is all-powerful within and without his universe. Elohim means the, the first and the strong one in authority. Elohim refers to this strong one, this putter forth of great power. God's power is all-encompassing in its vastness, in its greatness, its height, and to the fullest extent possible. God's power has binding force. God is so infinitely almighty that our imaginations get lost just thinking about it. The name Elohim stresses the distance between God and man. It's so great. Now there are three qualities that God alone possess. Number one, the power to be omniscient. Omniscience means that he knows everything all at once. God isn't in the process of learning like we are and having to learn new things. God knows everything. He knows everything about the past, everything about the present, and he knows everything about the future. We know that if Jesus were to come tonight, that the world as we know it would continue on for another seven years throughout the tribulation. During that time, manufacturing process will continue uh, the uh, Ford Motor Company will continue. General Motors will continue. And God knows all about the Chevy products that are going to come rolling off the line three years from now, four years from now. He knows everything about them. Every nut and bolt, every electrical wire, there's nothing that God does not know. 
That's kind of strange to think that God knows that kind of thing. You know, details of something mechanical that hasn't even been built yet. He knows all of the details of the, the uh, computer software that hasn't been invented yet. He knows all about the new viruses that uh, the world will have to cope with on their, their internet and computer machines and so on. But God is omniscient. In Proverbs 5.21, it says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. God even knows our thoughts. There is not a thought that you and I can have that he does not know. Now that can be scary or it can be comforting. I woke up this morning and I had a dream. I only remember a portion of the dream right now. There's more to it. And this portion actually fit in. You know how that happens, right? In some weirdo dream and something actually kind of connect together. Things sort of fit. Uh, so I woke up and I realized I had been dreaming about, um, well, I, I had been sitting there. Uh, and I had some kind of pillow on my lap and something was moving in the pillow. And so I opened it up and it was a snake. Great big head on the thing. And in panic, I grabbed it behind the ears, if that's what you call that. I grabbed it at the base of the skull and I held it. And sure enough, there was a rattler on the end. of it. This was a big rattlesnake. Why I dreamt about a rattlesnake, I'll never know. I have no affection for rattlesnakes. I don't own one. I don't plan to own one. But I was holding one in my dream. And uh, my, I remember the, the fear and the panic. You know, I was holding this thing and keeping it away from me and holding its body and it had weight to it. Apparently, it belonged to some, uh, some folks that I was uh, visiting with, I think, at the time. And all of a sudden, I noticed that they'd put one of these little... Um, uh, uh, like zap straps, these uh, little plastic things that you can, uh, you know, tighten up around its head. And it sort of was half choking it, so it was kind of tame at the moment. But I woke up shortly thereafter. They say dreams only last a few seconds. It sure didn't seem like it. It seemed like it lasted too long. You know, God knows all about that dream. He knows all about that dream. And I know there's people out in the world that'll try and interpret my dream. And you get two of those people together and you'll have three different opinions as to what that dream meant. Uh, those people are, most of them are half crazy anyhow with all of this dream interpretation. A lot of them try to use the Bible and stuff. The truth is, we haven't a clue why it is we dream half the stuff we dream. Some of, the, some of the dreams we can figure, well, you watch too many horror stories and you had a scary nightmare. Okay, well, we see what it means now, the connection. But, hey, I was minding my own business. Dreamt about a snake. But God knows our thoughts and he can see right into our hearts, the thought and intent of our heart. Let me tell you, a few years ago in Toronto, uh, a man with a bicycle, a cyclist, he decided he would put in a phony insurance claim. And so what he did was he had his girlfriend run over him with the car. And then to make sure that he came across uh, as a, a suffering cyclist, having been run over, he stuck a toothpick up his nose in order to start the blood flowing. And boy, did it flow. Well, the insurance company coughed up $22,000 in compensation. But the scam which was, by the way, among Canada's top 10 frauds for insurance fraud. 
the thing backfired on the guy and the cyclist was found out to be a liar and a cheat and he was taken to court and uh, the investigators discovered, of course, that he had deliberately injured himself to get the money and the blood flowing. And so if an insurance company can see through a cleverly devised lie, if an insurance company can do it, how much more can Almighty God see everything there is to see? Truth is, you know, we only know the very tip of the tip of the iceberg. That's all we know. And it's best that way. Because I don't think we could take it if we knew all of the horror and the lies and all of the wickedness and sin that's going on. We just couldn't take it. And so only God, only Elohim is able to handle this sort of thing. But God sees every tear that you shed. He sees every good thing you've done. And uh, be careful, every evil deed as well. He alone knows the very number of hairs upon your head. Nothing can ever be hid from his omniscience. Secondly is his omnipresence. He has the power to be everywhere that he wants to be. He possesses that ability to be everywhere at the same time. So often I wish I could be two people at the same time. But knowing me, I'd get into an argument with myself. In Psalm 139, verse 7, King David wrote, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? That's why God can promise us in Hebrews 13.5, in Hebrews 13.5, he can promise us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It's because he can be everywhere at the same time. Now, isn't that good news? Amen? Boy, I like that. Uh, God has the power to be omniscient, omnipresent, and thirdly, he has the power to be omnipotent. And basically, it means that there's, there's no power he doesn't have. He possesses all power, all power, all power God possesses. Jeremiah 32, 37, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Matthew 19, 26, With God all things are possible. Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And didn't we just see that last Sunday? Amen? With that missions uh, miracle? Wow, oh wow. Starting this Sunday, we're going to be, we want to, this is the plan, we want to pass out to all the members uh, papers that show all of the missionaries that we have to date that have put in all the paperwork that we require and are ready to be voted upon. We are looking to uh, take on 25 to 30 more missionaries. And right now, as it stands right this very moment, there's 11, 11 that we can take on. We've been contacting some of them that have been uh, here uh, one and two years ago and asking them, do you still need support? And all but one said they do. That one is on the field and they, they don't need extra support. They're fine. Now that may change, you know, come a year or two. But uh, for now, we are, we are looking at 11 uh, missionaries that we could vote and take on just like that but God is Elohim he is strong he is almighty we can trust him folks and we can ask him to help us with his mighty power because he is willing to do that 
But, and very important, listen, he can use us as a channel of his power to help and bless others. Now look at the difference of what I've just said. On the one hand, we can go to him and we can ask him for help in our lives. And that's true, and you and I need to do that. But if we stop there, we haven't received the full blessing. We haven't really grown the way we ought to. You and I ought to outgrow the me, me, me mentality so that we start looking at others and say, Lord, bless them through me. Use me to reach them. Use me to help them. Now, this is the other side of the street, isn't it? On the one hand, it's, Lord, this is what I need and this is what my family needs and this is what we need. And Lord, would you please supply it? And I believe that God will supply those needs. But God wants to go another step. And I think it's to the other side of the street where there are hurting people, where there are people that need his power, his mercy, his grace through us. You see, God's power is there to help, not just us, but the guy on the other side of the street. The guy halfway around the world. And this is where being an intercessor comes to play. This is where the Christian life gets really exciting. Because it's not now just all about me. It's Lord, use me as a channel of your power to help others. When you and I get to that point, I think we're going to find more of God's power. There's been so many Christian men and women who've come to this point in their walk with God and God began to pour into them great uh, uh, riches of grace and ability and power. You see, there's a promise made to us in the Corinthians and it says that he is able to make all grace abound toward you so that ye having all sufficiency in all things, listen carefully, it doesn't stop there, may abound unto every good work. God wants you and I to abound to good works. Not just, oh, I uh, hear I've got all of my pork chops, I got all my cupboards full, I got my gas tank all filled up, I got everything I could possibly want. Here, I'll give a dime here for, for this need over here. I'll give a penny for this. That doesn't sound like abounding, not in this economy. A dime and a penny isn't going to get you very far. There might have been a, a, a time, you know, in, in the not too distant past, you could go into a store called a five and dime and you could buy something for five cents. You could buy something for 10 cents. It used to be that a dollar store, the things in there were actually a dollar. But in so many dollar stores now, you're paying a dollar twenty-five, two dollars, five dollars, and so on. Times are changing, folks. But when God says he wants to abound toward us so that we can abound toward others, that's Elohim. That's the powerful God that loved us and saved us. How can God do this? Number one is through faith promise missions. That's God's power through us to be able to give beyond our ability. That's excitement to be able to support the gospel worldwide so that uh, literally thousands will get saved just through the ministry of the missionaries that this church supports. Number two is ministry towards others of grace and mercy. They're always examples of God working through us. And now listen carefully. Number three is the power of prayer. Something that so many of us Christians aren't thoroughly familiar enough with. 
And we think of prayer just for our own little needs and our little family. And when things go tough, then we get on our knees and pray. And I'm telling you, that's only kindergarten prayer. That's just the kindergarten of the world and the power of prayer. God's power through prayer, it's so important. You know that Jesus spent a lot of his time alone with God in prayer? Jesus on earth. Now he definitely got the fellowship from God, but it was through prayer that he was able to accomplish such mighty things. It was through prayer that he was able to avoid so many of Satan's tricks and traps and temptations and problems. You know, someone once said that if you think about it, all of our problems end up being prayer problems because we're not praying enough. You know, we run ahead and do this and we make a quick decision and we do that and we decide without even thinking we're going to do this over here and this blows up in our face and this falls and this ship sinks at sea and so on if we had only spent more time in prayer. And then there are things that we just get on our knees for just, you know, three or four seconds, you know, a minute maybe, and, and we pray and then we get up and we do what we think is best. We haven't prayed enough. There is so much power God has to pour through the saint. Any one of us here tonight, if you're saved, if you're born again, you've got the basic requirements right there. Then it's just a matter of drawing closer and closer to God in the prayer closet, uh, which ought to become your, your daily meeting, your meat and potatoes every day. And it's through the power of prayer to do what? To save lost folks and to see sick folks healed and to see needs met and so on. The Christian life without the power of God flowing through it becomes a waste truly a waste. Every day, I want to suggest we stay connected with God and His mighty power and let Him use us to the fullest. Now, let's go to prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we don't profess to have learned all there is to know about Your awesome name of Elohim, but we've learned some. Help us, Father, to be motivated to be spurred on in heart and soul and spirit to do more for you. Oh Lord, help us to lift up our eyes and to look beyond our little, our little circle of the me, me and our, our, our little needs and look around us. And, and Father, use us. Pour your might and your power in us and through us to reach so many people and to do all the good we can to all the people we can all the time we can. And our Father will give you the honor and the glory and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's worship the Lord tonight with our giving. And we're giving to the bus ministry tonight. And so if you'd like to be part of the, the blessing, there's an uh, offering envelope in the, the pew in front of you.